What's up, y'all? You're listening to the Extra Point College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Carnes, joined as always by my co-host, Daniel Hammock. Daniel, we have we've turned the page. It is the 2021 football season now, and we all know that college football is a year-long sport, so we're not slowing down. Well, like a little bit. We'll do one podcast a week, but every week, man, we're, we're keeping this we're keeping this train rolling. Oh yeah, that was last season. This is this season now. So we've turned the page. We're moving on. Um, definitely love the aspect of college football where there's always a storyline. There's always something to sink your teeth into. Um, but yeah, like you said, we're not going to try to make two shows a week because likely there's not going to be something to talk about. Now, obviously, as things go, if something comes up and, hey, it deserves an emergency podcast, we're happy to jump on. But as it goes, we'll have our next several weeks planned out. Um, but, you know, if you can go and, um, you know, do the the five-star uh, rating, that's going to help us a lot in the five-star review. Um, and give us some content. Ask us some questions. Anything you might want, we're going to be checking those. And the more that we get, uh, it might be something where we just mention it once an episode or we might get enough where – we make one big episode, mailbag episode, something like this. So definitely something we're striving for. So if you guys on Apple Podcasts could write a review, leave us a, a five-star review, leave us a, a question or a comment, we're happy to get to it. Absolutely. And be sure to follow us on social media. We've got our podcast page on Facebook and Instagram where you can follow us at The Extra Point Pod in both of those places. And we, we'll post... During the offseason especially, we'll post a ton of graphics, some polls out there that we might do uh, for some offseason rankings later on in the offseason. So plenty of ideas that you and I have, and social media is the best place to get all of that content. Be sure to follow us on Twitter as well. You can follow Daniel at Deep South Daniel. You can follow me at Jacob Carnes with a K. Daniel, let's dive into our content. So, you know, during this offseason, we'll try to hit some news as it's happening first, and then we've got several topics planned out. So... Biggest thing going on right now since the national championship ended last week is Steve Sarkeesian hired at Texas as the Texas head coach. They got their guy. You and I, initial thought is home run hire. The Texas got, you know, a hot name who was an offensive coordinator and a head coach at both levels, kind of like they had in Tom Herman. <laughs> but I think that you know this one i think this one's gonna work out and sark is starting to put his staff together a lot of names being thrown out a lot of news being thrown around but so far he's putting together a pretty nice staff at texas yeah and he's he's one of these guys where had he not had personal issues off the field um he may have been a head coach now for 15 years or 10 years whatever it would have been um that he would have had that job at um you know, Washington that led into the job at USC, obviously super highly touted offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, everything during those USC years. Um, you know, when Kiffin was there, when um, obviously Pete Carroll was there. So that coaching tree is where he originated. Um, and then, yeah, he had all the success and then obviously it had to kind of come away because of off the field issues. But because of that, that retooling that he did, um, you know, personally, I think it may have humbled him and helped him um, as an on-field coach, but then you couple that with, hey, he got to be an analyst 
at Alabama. He went and coached for a couple years in the NFL, got to see that side of it, got to be an offensive coordinator at the highest level, and then come back to Alabama and then be there for two of the greatest offensive years uh, in the history of the game. I mean, he's really built quite the resume. So um, definitely, I think, qualified to be a Texas head coach. And I think uniquely qualified. That USC gig is very similar to Texas in the sense that you have a lot of people you have to please and you are the main show in town when you're good. So I definitely think he's equipped for it. And, you know, kind of what we're going to be looking at, this coaching carousel continues to move because this hire has happened. And not only this hire, he's going to hire his staff. He's already hired a few to it. You're going to see him pull from the best staffs in the nation because the Texas job has a certain, you know, amount of clout to it, a certain amount of, you know, brand identity. Um, and it's it's definitely a milestone for a lot of these coaches. So some coaches are going to leave to come work for them. And it might be a big program. It might be your favorite program, you know, who knows? And they're going to have to, you know, be scrambling and replacing one of the position coaches or a coordinator or something like this. So definitely something we're going to kind of keep an eye on here as this cycle continues to move. Well, let's talk about what we do know. That's the coaches that Sark has hired so far, right? So first, Jeff Banks as a tight ends coach and special teams coordinator, and he held the same position at Alabama. So bringing an Alabama guy with him. And the second Alabama guy he's bringing with him is Kyle Flood as the offensive line coach slash offensive coordinator for Texas. And then lastly from Alabama, A.J. Milwee, who is an assistant off the field, as a quarterback's coach. So three of his first hires, Alabama guys, I'm guessing Saban probably isn't too happy about this behind the scenes that he's losing guys. But, hey, I think this says that while Sark was at Alabama, he has definitely earned the respect to his name and the guys want to come work for them to help, you know, put their personal stamp on a program as well, right? Yeah, and I think that, like, the one you mentioned, obviously the offensive line coach, uh, Flood, he's, he's great. I think that this is perfect for an offensive minded head coach to the way that you get that guy to leave Alabama, because there's no way he's leaving Alabama for the exact same job at Texas. He needs the promotion and, you know, not to act like, you know, uh, Sarkeesian's, you know, lying to his face or anything like this, but it is somewhat of a pseudo offensive coordinator role because he's not going to be calling plays. Sark will still be calling plays. So offensive coordinator, still other responsibilities. I know to the surface, it's always like, oh, that's just the play caller. But obviously they have much more they do. They lead offensive meetings, strategy, game plans, film, all that stuff, uh, practice, all that stuff's very, very important. So he'll he'll take the lead on all of that stuff. But Uh, So it kind of adds a little feather in his cap, notch in his belt. Hey, I'm going to have more responsibility. I'm going to take that next step in my career. But also Sark is still, I mean, he got hired because of his play calling. So he'll still be calling plays from the sideline. And some more coaches that Sark has, uh, let's see, running backs coach, Dan, excuse me, Stan Drayton was retained as well as Andre Coleman. So running backs coach and wide receivers coach retained at Texas. And then defensive line, Bo Davis, who, like you mentioned, Daniel, elite recruiter. I'm looking at some of the guys that he recruited while at Alabama. Uh, Ben Davis, five-star inside linebacker. Deron Payne, five-star defensive tackle. Kendall Sheffield, 
five-star corner, uh, Nigel Knott, Terrell Lewis, all five-star guys. So elite recruiter that's been in the SEC, but recruited guys from all over the country. I mean, those guys were from five different states, has recruited in the NFL, excuse me, has coached in the NFL. So, and that also helps with recruiting, with recruiting having NFL guys on your staff. Right. Yeah, because then you can you they they can say, hey, I've seen what it takes at the next level, and they're not lying. They're you know, and they're not just saying, I see what it takes to get from this level to the next level. I've coached at that next level, so definitely helpful there. Um, so definitely something to keep an eye on is that Texas job is one of the iconic big jobs. Um, ton of money involved in that job, so uh, definitely gonna there's gonna be some names that come across, and it might even surprise folks um who who lands there so definitely something to keep an eye on two more that we do know and we can talk about some names that we you know we've read about for jobs that are not filled yet so he he hired away terry joseph who is notre dame's defensive backs coach to coach corner and so that one's huge because again one big time program to another big time program which speaks to you know texas is a high level job that people want to be at because they want to be there when someone finally gets it to click, right? right. We all think it's capable of clicking and soccer be the guy to make it click. And then I think one of my favorite hires he's made so far though, Blake Gideon. So he was at Ole Miss. He's a special teams mastermind like Jeff Banks is, but he played defensive back and safety at Texas. And so he's been brought in to coach safeties at the university of Texas. So you get a Texas guy back on the staff. You don't have to have 12 of them, but getting one is really special because he can speak to what it's like to play in Austin, what it's like to play that position in Austin, helps with recruiting, helps with coaching, right? And just like Saban's done, just like Kirby's done, just like Debo's began to do and what Ryan Day has done, he's bringing in elite recruiters, which he knows that's what it's going to take to get it done. Let's talk about some names that have been floated out there. We saw a couple days ago, defensive coordinator, right? It's a big spot that hasn't been filled yet. We've seen Pete Golding been thrown around. We saw Dan Laning was apparently the lead candidate. He turns it down to stay at Georgia. But one thing Josh Pate mentioned on his podcast is this could cause a lot of dominoes to fall, oh, yeah. right? And, you know, if Pete Golding's hideaway from Alabama, that means that Nick Saban knows he has an upgrade, right? So... Would he hire away Dan Lanning from Georgia? Would he bring in Will Muschamp, who currently does not have a job? Would he bring in Jeremy Pruitt if he, if he knows Jeremy Pruitt's about to lose his job at Tennessee? All right, so this could affect several programs depending on who Sark brings in to be defensive coordinator. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of these where you're going to, um, you know, just when you think that that wheel is done spinning or you think you're safe and you haven't lost any coaches – um, it, it it's a good it's good to look at it like hey it could be a domino to fall like an Alabama they lose someone from their staff to Texas well they're gonna try to go get the next bigger and better thing um, and so they're gonna be poaching from other big programs because Alabama doesn't hire from you know Tulane or Temple they go and take Georgia Tennessee South Carolina. I don't know about Auburn, but they might take, you know, Derek Mason from Auburn or, or whatever. So uh, something to keep an eye on there too. So that's Texas. That's really one of the, you know, the big off season 
topic right now is who is Sark bringing to that staff? Because I think most people around the industry agree that Texas is Texas is a place you can win, and people haven't done it recently. And honestly, historically, you know, Texas is not known for their 18 national championships. You know, they've got four, and three of those were pre-1970. So, like, but we all know the importance of high school football in Texas, the the fact that you are, you are the premier program in the state. You know, Texas A&M is, not, you know, Texas A&M is ahead of Texas right now, but they are not the University of Texas. All it takes is the right guy. All it takes is the right guy to make this click, and you could build something really special at Texas. So that's what we're talking about, Texas. It's it's a big program. It, it's it's newsworthy because they have their own network. <laughs> they have their own network. They're you know they're the most profitable college football program in the country, year in and year out. No matter how the team's doing on the field, so they've got everything at Texas they need to succeed. So long as in you know from what we've heard, Sark's been given full control. That's what he wanted. That's what he learned from Nick Saban. Is if you want to be successful. You don't let me do it the way I want to do. You know, he doesn't need to mess with these boosters. The boosters need to get out of his way and let him run his football program. And if he's able to do that, I do believe this is, you know, it's January 16th as we're recording this. I think Sark can win a national championship at Texas. Like, I, I really do believe that. I'm not saying it's going to be in 2021. I'm not saying 22. It might be 2026. But I think that Sark can win a national championship at Texas. What do you say to that? I don't think that's crazy. I think um, Texas, honestly, the program has continued to get uh, – so after Mac Brown left, they were struggling. They kind of in a stalemate, you know, that kind of thing. But they they got better under Herman than they were under Strong. And so, you know, that progression has helped. But – I, I agree. I don't think Herman was going to necessarily get them over the edge uh, necessarily. So, you know, I, I like that he's bringing in recruiters. Um, and I think that's going to be very important to continue the the talent, you know, restructure the team. Uh, I don't think it's crazy. Um, I do think that, you know, if you don't hurry up, he's going to have, you know, a couple of, thorns in his side, you know, instead of just Oklahoma, I mean, Iowa state is building up their program pretty well. So we'll see if they can continue to do what they're doing. But as far as, you know, direct pressure in the conference for years, it's felt like Oklahoma and then some other team, um, whoever, you know, roll the dice and it's one of them, uh, that revolving door, Texas should have been that second team this whole time. And they haven't been, which is why Herman got fired. Um, so now they need to establish themselves as that second team, but it seems like Iowa State might be going for the same thing. So this is going to be interesting. You're going to have you're going to have three potential stable programs in in the Big 12 and then, you know, the rest of that crazy conference doing its thing. So I'm definitely interested to see um, as this goes, but I think I shoot Predicted national championships, the only thing – I mean, the only thing that feels certain is that Alabama and Clemson are probably going to win a few more in the next few years. So, other than that, you know, it's a crapshoot. Let's turn the page. 
let's talk about the 2021 season. So we've got our way too early top 25, right? And, and it is way too early because it is the second week of January. So this is just our, you know, based on what we know of people who have announced who's returning to the program based off how they perform this year, trajectory of those programs, you and I put our heads together. We average it out. We have our way too early top 25. So we're going to talk about it in, in three groups, uh, 16 to 25, 6 to 15, and then the top five. So let's hit 16 to 25. And if you're listening to this, we do have this graphic on our social media. So <laughs> instead of trying to listen to every team that's on here, we have the rankings posted already. So number 16, Indiana, uh, Arizona State, LSU, Texas, and TCU at 20. We got Penn State at 21, Iowa, Auburn, Ole Miss, NC State. Daniel, what are maybe a couple teams that stick out? Maybe a team you were higher on than I was, or teams that excite you, teams maybe on the way down, just a couple teams that stick out to you. Uh, Yeah, I, I think the two that I probably have staked my name to the most in this group um, I'll go. I'll start with TCU. I think that they have just a strong program overall. I think they played a pretty good season this year. They had Iowa State on the ropes. Max Duggan, if he would have played the whole game, very good chance that they win that game. Uh, they had kind of a shootout with them. Um, I think he's an excellent quarterback. Anytime you return your quarterback, that's a big deal. They had several, you know, talented running backs on the squad this year. Um, Gary Passion just trusts him as a coach, and I think that they are in a prime spot to, you know, take another step and be in that top four of the conference. I'm not saying they're going to do anything insane, but there's no reason that they can't be in that top four and kind of, you know, uh, of the Big 12, top four of the Big 12, and really, you know, beat some teams that might surprise you and really just, you know, kind of hold serve and, and have a good season, go to a good bowl game, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I do think they're a top 20 team. Um, I had them, I think, at 18, and they ended up averaging out to 20. So I'm cool with that. Um, the other team, I guess, NC State. And, you know, you and I were kind of going back and forth on them a little bit, but really high on Devin Leary. I really think that with a full season as the guy, which of course we're not going to know for sure if, you know, if he, if he gets injured again, that you can never predict that kind of stuff, but we do know that he's back and he'll be healthy um, to start the season. So uh, if that's the case, they were a different team with him at the helm rather than Bailey Hockman, Bailey Hockman has transferred out. So I just, I like the direction of the Wolfpack program. I like Devin Leary at quarterback. I think that, he makes them more than a middling or a bottom dweller ACC team. I think he makes them a competent bowl ACC team um, with some upside. Uh, I'm convinced with NC State. It was hard for me to that bottom group. Like NC State, I think it had a like 27 or something like that. Um, but I'm with you on NC State. Uh, Okay, I'll, I'll talk about three teams. Oh, my goodness. I want to talk about four of these teams. I'll mention two for the same reason, all right? So LSU at 18, Penn State at 21. I think both of these teams are capable of being way higher than this by week two or three. Both teams oh, yeah. are immensely talented. 
based on this year's performance, you and I, I think we're in the same thought process and hesitant to put them higher than 15. Yeah. Like just because of the bit. way they yeah. perform, yeah. but LSU, especially immensely talented roster, super, super young. We knew that this past season was going to be, you know, a step down from second greatest team of all time. And so uh, shout out 2020 Alabama. <laughs> uh Penn State, same situation. I think 2020 for a few of these teams can be a throwaway year. Um, and a team I'll talk about that I think is also you can kind of throw away 2020, Arizona State. Pac-12 having the immensely shortened season. Arizona State kind of went under the radar, but the computers and the metrics love the way Arizona State played this past season. Especially and, that last game, my goodness, are against oh, Arizona. They destroyed that, <laughs> That had to help. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I love the way Herm Edwards is taking that program. They're going to have a junior quarterback in Jaden Daniels. They have some immensely talented. Their recruiting class of 2020 was really good. They ranked 30th in the team talent composite this past season. That will go up this year. And so I, I just think Arizona State will be a legit contender in the Pac-12 South with my hashtag playoff Trojans. And lastly, Auburn, I think that – so you didn't rank Auburn. I ranked Auburn 20th. I just think for the same re- – you know, all four of these teams, same reason, talent on the roster, right? Auburn, yes, you know, they're in a division with Texas A&M, Alabama, and LSU who all recruit at a top 10, top 5 level, right? And Auburn's always sitting right there at like 7 or 8. And so if you're comparing them to the rest of the country – I think Brian Harsha can come in and like go eight and four. Like, I don't think you're going to have trouble doing what Auburn's done and going eight and four, nine and three on a good year. But like, like, I think you might have a year, like one year of rebuilding. But even then, like seven and five, I think is like in my mind, like the floor for the Auburn program. But then you have to worry about like Ole Miss is getting better. Arkansas is getting better. Mississippi State, I think, will be better having a full year under the air raid system, right? They're going to have a spring practice. So you're in the toughest division in college football, but you're still Auburn, right? And so that's why I ranked Auburn. But those are the teams that stuck out to me in that grouping. You got Ole Miss sitting there. You and I both like Ole Miss. (laughs) Yeah, I almost forgot about Ole Miss um, when when we were doing this initially, but yeah, they, they just project really well. Obviously, a lot of young talent coming back. And and Lane Kiffin, I mean, it's just it's just easy to fall in love with some Ole Miss. I'm curious. I'm still here. John Race Plumley, my dude, <laughs> always my ride or die. Um, they started using him in that bowl game at receiver in that last drive. They threw the ball to him three times, and one of those was like a 40-yard reception, and he's just – he was running out of the backfield. So I don't know what they're going to use him as H back a, you know, potential running back option or receiver fully. Uh, he was being recruited as an athlete, you know, not sure if there's a potential NFL future. I know he's way too fast and way too good as a division one athlete to not be starting or playing at a place like Ole Miss. So he should be on the field if he's their slot receiver next year. I mean, I don't know, but this guy needs to have the ball, put him at punt returner. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure he's going to have a great season on the baseball diamond, but you need to have something for him in the fall too. So, that's your boy. <laughs> Always, uh, man. 
Let's go to the next grouping of 10. I'll count down this time. So starting with number 15, the Oregon Ducks. Then we got Wisconsin, Florida, Miami, USC. Then we get to the top 10. We've got Notre Dame at 10, then Texas A&M, Cincinnati, North Carolina, then at number six, Iowa State. So, Daniel, same thing. A couple more teams that stick out that you want to talk about and mention uh, in, our, in that next grouping of 10. Yeah, so for me, I was very much um, – I'll, I'll, I'll start with Miami. I think Miami, uh, Derek King coming back, yes, the ACL, man, that sucks. Like him having to come back from that again, you know, after – or not again, but him having to come back from the ACL surgery and basically the whole offseason now is, is going to be him getting healthy. Um, now, granted – over the summer when you're not going to be hitting quarterbacks and stuff, he'll get timing down with receivers and stuff like that. And they project him to be ready for guess who they start with Alabama next year. So that'll be fun. But, but I do like Miami in this, in this setting because they've continued to recruit well and certain positions. um, A couple of guys that they've actually got, I mean, James Williams, uh, five-star he's listed as an athlete, they project him to start at safety initially. He might move into that inside linebacker role, do something like that. Uh, but he's huge. He's quick. He's got all kinds of ability. He's one of those top-end elite players that really changes a defense and makes a defense better around him. Um, they've got Tyreek Stevenson just announced today, actually, that he's officially transferring from Georgia. He was in the transfer portal Uh to Miami to go home. He's from the South Florida area, played, uh, I believe, American Heritage. Um, I believe it was American Heritage where he played. Um, anyways, he was a five-star corner. Um, he played all over the secondary for Georgia, and now they're going to get him. He's probably going to start at corner. So you're adding just a couple of really talented players that you're not used to having, and then you're kind of continuing on with your quarterback. I just think that that continuity is going to be very important for them. Um, we'll see what the offensive line holds, maybe another year growth, that kind of stuff. It might help uh, it better. <laughs> um, and then the other team for me, you know, me, I'm an ACC coastal guy. So I'm going to talk about That's North right. Carolina. So I think that they, I mean, Sam house, Sam house, Sam house, Sam house, Sam house, Sam house. Okay. Yeah. He is fantastic, but they just got Ty Chandler to transfer um, from Tennessee on in. And so I think that's huge because that offensive line is back. They're going to be just maulers still. They lose their top two running backs, Javante Williams and um, – ooh, you have to help me with the other guy. They uh, Michael Carter. They both go pro. Um, they're both going to get drafted this year probably. And they both had amazing years. So uh, definitely had some concern about not having experience in the backfield. Insert Ty Chandler, who – had an underwhelming career at Tennessee, but that largely could have been by what was around him. So I do believe in him. I think he's a tough runner. You put him in that offense, I'm excited to see what they do. Um, I definitely think uh, that they have a lot of upside. Uh, they got some guys who are really young this year defensively that can grow, and I think they can take a step forward. So you're looking at a team. Uh, this is a program that we wanted – to take a step forward this year. And that's absolutely what they did. Now let's see what, if they take the next step next year. So the next step would be competing for that 
ACC championship, winning the Coastal. So it's between them and Miami, and they don't have to worry about Notre Dame in their conference. So uh, we'll see what happens. North Carolina, the only thing that worries me in North Carolina is they're losing all those receivers too, right? Like I think Newsom, they're losing a couple Brown. Of yeah, they've got they've got some production coming. We'll, we'll see what the numbers end up coming back as as far as returning production, but I don't think that it's as much as we think. Um, I was reading something the other day, but anyways, I think I kind of high leveled it so we can get in the nitty gritty yeah, at yeah. some point. But I do. I mean, there's a certain part of me that's like, I think that they're going to be coached up at receiver, regardless, um, to be able to do it. So a team you were not as high on that I had at number seven, right? USC. So I know that when Barton was on here, he said, you know, I heard the siren song. And <laughs> look, I'm not saying they're my playoff Trojans this year. But what I am saying is they're going to be dang good again. Like, in almost for the same reason North Carolina is going to be really good, right? Like, they've got some guys returning on defense. They are losing their best player on defense in Talanua Hufanga, right? So they're losing him at safety, but the, the the strength of their defense will be the defensive line this year, especially with bringing in five-star freshman Corey Foreman on the defense. They're returning some receiving production. Amon Ross St. Brown's gone, but, you know, you, you've got guys coming back. You've got uh, Drake London, who's a sophomore. He'll be a junior this year. Joshua Jackson, who was a true freshman last year. John Jackson, who was a sophomore last year. Brew McCoy. He'll be a redshirt sophomore. So unless he transfers to Texas now, <laughs> Man, he's for the coming second on back, time, yeah, right. So they've got guys. They've got a quarterback in Keaton Slovis. The running game, we'll see. But I think in 2021 in college football, if you've got the quarterback and you've got some receivers, you're going to win a lot of games. And now that they've got this defensive line, that could help with losing a great guy in Hufanga on the back end if you're getting to the quarterback quickly. Right, that's the best way to help your secondary. Um, and then you know another team, uh, Iowa State. Iowa State is returning nearly everybody. I didn't realize that Brees Hall was a sophomore. Oh yeah, <laughs> this year. oh yeah. And so you're bringing back like I think three or four pass catchers. You're bringing back your All-American running back, the second best quarterback in the Big Twelve. And <laughs> well, in the offensive line that started out as a problem this year because they're a bunch of young guys. Yep. They'll be back. You know, you. I think they only returned one starter from last year. So this year I think they'll return four uh, to the next year. So it's something like that or it's crazy. So it's definitely going to be good to kind of keep that continuity going for them. Definitely. One the defense going to be nasty. I wanted to mention um, – I know I, I don't want to stop you from gushing over your Cyclones, but uh, Cincinnati, <laughs> you know, it's one of these where it's – if it's weird that they're starting in the top 10, right? Like it's, it, it would jump out if we didn't tell you what happened this year. And we just said, Hey, this is next year's top 10. And Cincinnati is there. They're, they're the team that doesn't look like they belong um, because they're a group of five, but Desmond Ritter coming back already announced at quarterback for another year. Um, I bet you there's a lot of these players that are going to exercise that senior rule and come back that, you know, I, I don't have them. I don't follow their beat on Twitter. So I don't know everybody who's coming back. Um, but 
you know, they had 11 starters come back this year on defense. So if they have a decent, you know, amount of those guys come back, I know they just lost their defensive coordinator um, to Notre Dame, but Luke Fickle's defensive guy, you know, that's, that's where he comes from defensive background. He's the DC at heart. So I do think that whoever he puts in place is going to obviously have his seal of approval and he, they might have just a full on stud defense just waiting. So that's why we kind of kept them there. It's tough because there's just going to be so much returning again. And I think they're still probably going to be pretty hungry. Um, so I definitely wanted to, to shout them out and make a mention of that. Cause that's going to be, it's good. It's, it's weird. They're starting the year in the top 10. Um, usually these are the types of teams you just, shuffle down there at 11, 12, 13 and say, Hey, we'll see what happens this season. If they're going to win some games and we move them up. But this is one that they proved it to us this year, that they were a great team. You know, let's, let's see if they can run it back next year. Let's talk top five. And from everything that I've read, everyone has the same top five, right? this, This will come as no surprise, but the order in which you will have this top five is different. We'll, we'll talk about why you and I ranked certain teams over other ones, right? So top five from five to one. Number five, Ohio State. Number four, Oklahoma. Number three, Clemson. Number two, Georgia. Number one, Alabama. So, Daniel, you ranked these teams. Uh, you went Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Oklahoma, Ohio State, right? Yeah. Uh, I ranked these teams. Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Clemson. So a little different for you and me in the top five, but came out to, you know, the top five that we have. So number one, Alabama. All right. This to me should be a no-brainer. If you're putting Georgia, Oklahoma, Clemson, number one, I just think it's – that's that just sounds too critical. Alabama is Alabama, right? So – Here's what I wrote down. Since 2008, Alabama has lost more than one game just five times. All right, here's when that happened. 2008, their second loss came in a bowl game. So one loss through the regular season. 2010, the cam year. All right. Uh, 2013, their loss came in. Their second loss came in the bowl game. 2014, their second loss came in the college football playoff. 2019, you lost your starting quarterback lost to Auburn, was the second loss. That's it. Those are the only times Nick Saban has lost more than one game in a season. Yep. And all they do is reload. They're going to have the best roster in college football. They're replacing three-star Mac Jones with the highest-ranked quarterback of the 2020 class in Bryce Young. <laughs> uh, yes, they lose Devontae Smith and Joe and Waddle, but they have six blue-chip wide receivers on the roster. Six. Uh, that's including John Mechie. The defense is going to return seven starters. It's Alabama. <laughs> you didn't even mention their best player on the roster, their kicker. Will Riker, That's he'll right. be back. Best player. <laughs> so he's definitely got the pedigree to uh, take them to another championship. Uh, no, but Bryce Young, he's a guy that obviously you and I went back and forth at the beginning of the year. I thought Mac Jones was going to be there. I didn't know Mac Jones was going to have the year he had, obviously. I thought, hey, he's just going to be – elder statesman he's going to be 
j- maybe just as good as a fourth-year player as Bryce Young would be as a freshman. And so Saban will defer to the fourth-year player. We had no idea he was going to go off like he did. But Bryce Young pushing him may have very well brought out the best in him because he's probably thinking, I just had to sit behind Tua. I'm not sitting behind this kid. So he may have raised his level of play uh, for that. Definitely have a lot of expectations for Bryce Young. Um, They'll have Trey Sanders back at running back. Hopefully he's able to stay healthy this year. Um, He's been battling injuries his first two years on campus. He is highly, highly recruited, highly regarded. He was a number one overall running back two years ago coming in. And he's basically just had the had the you know rug pulled out from under in both years. So uh, obviously Brian Robinson, these other guys who played this year will be good at running back. I expect Trey Sanders to really come in and push for that that lead role in the backfield. And then yeah, Mechie, the other you know blue chip receivers. It's just going to go on and on. And then yeah, that defense. I mean, it's it's more it's a hot take for us to pick Alabama to not finish number one rather than the field just because um, they they are so much they're, – they're the only team that has proven that every year they can reload. And it's like you mentioned about the two-loss thing, how it's only happened five times, and most of the in time it's in the years. bowl game. Yeah, in in the bowl game or, or the playoffs. So basically in the one game of con- – they get to that game of consequence and then they might lose maybe. Uh, yeah, I'll take my chances with Alabama at number one. And they've also won six national championships in that same span. So. Yeah, they're 50%. So <laughs> 50% over that span. Uh, I'll take that so chance over any of these others. So let's talk two teams that we both ranked number five. So Clemson and Ohio State. I ranked Clemson number five. You ranked Ohio State number five. So, you know, walk me through why you like Clemson better than Ohio State. And then I'll walk you through why I like Ohio State better than Clemson. That sounds good, because um, I think we both like both teams. You yeah, might, yeah, yeah. yeah so uh, I yeah. think, sorry, I th- of these five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's all relative. We're really battling between these right. two, though. We're splitting um, hairs because I know that I, I, yeah, like you said, I was higher on Clemson. I believe in them. Um, I, I think you can't. First of all, you can't overstate the importance of the uh, quarterback, DJ Uyunglele, his experience in games, but specifically him having to bring the team back to win against Boston College, I think that was very important. So he has experience in adversity within a game, bringing them back to win. And then he has experience on the road in a major, major game against Notre Dame. So I think he played well in both games. Um, And I think that that is invaluable to have that. Now, beyond that, you know, what do we talk about? Returning receiver production, things like this. Justin Ross is back. He's coming back. He's announced it. Now, granted, I was already ranking them in the spot before he announced it. I had assumed that he was coming back, but the fact that he announced it makes me feel better about it. Justin Ross, former five-star. He had a, a neck spinal injury that he needed to get taken care of, so he sat this season out post-surgery, and he's going to be a full go for this upcoming year um, in what would amount to be a contract year for him to play and then maybe put himself into the NFL uh, after that. So, you know, if you've got a stud receiver, he, he really makes their receiving group so much better. Like he takes them to a whole nother level. 
defensively, um, they're returning 11 starters. So Brett Venables plus 11 starters on defense equals Natty. So they're, they're going to be playing in the college football playoff. That's not a surprise, but I have them higher than you do. Um, if we're splitting hairs right now, like I said, because of that, uh, some young guys that I think have extreme, extreme upside, uh, Breezy, uh, Brian Breezy on defense. Um, and then the Miles Murphy. Miles Murphy. Yeah. I was like, he's slipping. He, I kept trying to say Morris, Miles Morris, but Miles Murphy. Yeah. Those two defensive linemen, I mean, you know, the same pedigree. And they were playing as true freshmen this year. I think KJ Henry's back as well. If I'm not, mis- I mean, yeah, he started this year. He's back. So this is going to be a nasty, nasty defensive line. Skalski's back at, at linebacker. So, you know, I'm sure he'll have some more targeting calls this year. It'll be fantastic. Two or so three. don't come over the middle on Skalski. Uh, he'll end your life. Andrew Booth. I, I think this is the year Andrew Booth takes that next step at corner. Um, he's a five-star coming in. Very important. He's gotten beat a little bit early in his career, but that, you know, it's, it's the nature of the beast when you're going to play some top-end teams. Um, I think that this is the year that he kind of hunk, hunkers it down and maybe makes that push to be a first round NFL corner. So I'll talk about Clemson first. I think we are underestimating the gap between Trevor Lawrence and DJ Uyangale. We saw the two game sample size. Like I think we are going to see a gap in you're losing the greatest quarterback of this of this decade in Trevor Lawrence. Like this isn't this isn't like going from like Deshaun to Trevor. No, no, no. Like this, like this is you just lost the greatest quarterback that's ever played at your school. So, like, I'm just I think I am expecting a bigger gap than most expect there. I think DJ is great, but I also don't think that he is Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> like, does that make sense? No, no, no. That does. I guess my argument, and we can get to the Ohio State thing here in a second, is. I'm fine with you saying that Trevor Lawrence is the greatest because I believe the same thing. My thing is the gap. I mean, DJ versus CJ, like what is CJ Stroud, who I presume, and I'm sure you do too, to be the next quarterback at Ohio state. Yeah. They just lost their, their one of their, if not their best, you know, quarterback in Justin Fields. So that's something to, to take into account as well. I think both are losing it, but if I'm picking one, DJ's got two games played, and while you can't just go off of those two things alone, I mean, one of them was Notre Dame on the road. I really take a lot of stock in that. And then the other one, they're having to go blow for blow with a team who who kind of caught them off guard. So that's kind of where I am with it. So here's what helps, because I agree. I think Fields is the best pl- best quarterback to ever play at Ohio State. So you both just lost two Over Kirk Herbstreet? <laughs> Way, way over Kirk Herb Street. Um, Clemson's also losing the ACC's all-time leading rusher. I don't think that can be understated. And the offensive line wasn't impressive this year. And Ohio State showed that in the bowl game. And so hopefully they get better, you know, with returning guys. But Ohio State's going to return maybe four on the offensive line. Still, still waiting on one decision. But you know what helps when you're a young quarterback? And – Young, talented quarterback, might I add. You know, that, that 2020 class was Bryce Young, 
DJ Oyangale, and then CJ Stroud. So what a surprise. Right. Went to Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State. Shocker. Um, so what helps you is when you lose Chris Olave and the in the wide receiver room gets better this year yeah. than it was last year because they have five five-star wide receivers on the roster. Five. Like too many to put on the field at one time. That's how many five-star wide receivers they have. That's not like, including the four-star receivers. When one guy gets tired have. and runs off the field, he's replaced by someone who's also like, a five-star. Ohio State, and these guys didn't even see the field much this year, their 2020 wide receiver class is the greatest wide receiver class on paper ever signed. Yeah, as far as the rankings go, that's what we yes. go by. So that's what on we're on paper re- ever that's signed. That's what we have to go by. Yeah. Travion Henderson will be a true freshman running back this year. Bro, he's, he's a good. freak. He's so he, good. He's better than Trey Sermon, right? Like right now. He's yeah. Better than Trey Sermon. Yeah. He is. He, he's one of these guys who, like, he's the best back in this year's class, and there's a big gap between one and two. Yeah. Like, but then the they gap also between got the number five back, Evan Pryor. I know yep. I'm helping you make your point, but I'm oh, just yeah. saying, like, so all, all this being said, the offense is going to be ridiculous. And Ryan Day is a coach that I trust to get CJ ready, right? Like, he is just a great offensive mind. Defensively, you know, they're, they're losing Sean Wade. They're going to lose one or two on the defensive line, but Zach Harrison is somebody who I expected to make a big jump this year and didn't. And so they've still got a talented defensive line coming back. Their linebackers are coming back. So I just expect like, if you're selling Ohio state stock, I will, I will buy some Ohio state stock. I same with Clemson, like Clemson going the ACC, Ohio state's going to the big 10. There's no right. like question for me there. And so again, this is really splitting hairs, but given the two, I, I like I like where Ohio State's at right now um, versus now, Clemson. They both have huge games to start the year. Clemson obviously playing Georgia, which we'll get to talking about Georgia here in a minute, and Ohio State's going to play Oregon. It's going to be a makeup game from last year that they're going to play that game this year. So, um, you know, you'll get to test against a worthy opponent early on, and I think that's going to be important to see. Um, obviously we're talking about two teams that we both, if you put a, you know, if you said, are these teams in the playoff next year, we're both going to say, uh-huh. So, um, we both expect both of these teams to make the playoff. Uh, the, we're just not necessarily, we're trying to decide, Hey, is this team a spot or two better than the other? And right. why do we think that? So yeah, they're both going to be nasty though. Julian too Fleming high. for Ohio state. I mean, go ahead and start Julian his Heisman campaign. Jackson Smith, Jigba, I mean, both of those guys. So two teams that are really, really hot as far as picks go right now, Oklahoma and Georgia. Those are two hot picks for, hey, who is not Alabama or Clemson or Ohio right. State that we can pick to win the national championship? And, People have that fatigue, and they're trying to right. go elsewhere. So Oklahoma and Georgia. Oklahoma, and both of these teams, to me, it's easy to see why. Right, they're both in our top five. Georgia, we have it two. Oklahoma at four. So Oklahoma, Spencer Rattler returning at quarterback. Seven of your top eight pa- pass catchers. Offensive line returns four, and year three of Alex Grinch, who, you know, we've talked about on this podcast. I'm a big believer in. We've already seen huge improvements from year one to year two. If they take a step forward in year three, you're talking about having a top fifteen defense to match a top three offense. That's that's how you win national championships. 
Well, even if they stay put, and they're at 16, I think yep. we talked about at the end, if they stay put and they don't even get any better, but their offense starts the year better than they did, I think that that, that makes a world of difference as well. Uh, these receivers are continuing to get better. Um, I, they actually lost Charleston Rambo, but – uh, you know, he transferred actually to Miami. So that was one of the other points that I had earlier. I didn't even make it. Um, but they they still have Jaden Hazelwood. I mean, they still got like guys on guys. They got them all over the field. They got like five receivers. That's the thing. That's going to be the theme going forward. The more we talk about these top teams, it's the receivers and that depth at receiver that really make the room better. Um yeah, it's tough. I'd try not to put too much stock into a bowl game. If I did, Oklahoma would probably be number one or number yeah. two for us. But we did want to make a measured leap. They're a top four or five team. We have them in the top four. We expect them to win their conference next year. And maybe they'll win it in a different way than they've done it in the past. Maybe they will have a defense that will keep them in one of these semifinal games where they have a shot at beating you because – their defense isn't just air, you know, and they're able to have situational defense and maybe take the ball away once or twice and maybe hold serve and get, get the ball in the end zone um, offensively against you. So definitely impressed with them. Um, you know, I guess we tra- transition over to Georgia um, a lot to like their most of their problem all year. I mean, it's going to be talked about ad nauseum, but it was all about the quarterback, all about the quarterback, all about the quarterback. Well, now not only do you get JT Daniels in those last few games of the year, really projecting him forward, um, and obviously he's announced that he's coming back, but you've got every player of consequence largely on on offense coming back, uh, save for you know some offensive linemen who are, who are declaring and going pro uh, for Georgia, and then you know defensively. You know, just you've got you've got a you, you're you're losing a little bit, but I think what you're retaining is more important than what you're losing. Um, and they they only had a few that decided to go ahead and declare early, so that's very important for Georgia. Uh, important part with JT Daniels though is yeah he he still didn't have his full mobility this year. I don't necessarily expect him to when he's fully mobile to be able to oh I'm gonna you know take the read option and I'm going to, you know, run for 50 yards a game or 70 yards a game or something like this. But I do think that it will just add, I think he'll be able to move a little bit more in the pocket, maybe take less sacks. Um, that might be big for him. These receivers, they, they really took a step forward. Um, you know, when he took, when he came in, uh, we were starting to think that Georgia didn't have, you know, good receivers down the stretch. Uh, you know, JT came in and showed, hey, they've actually got a deep well of of talented receivers that they can go to. Um, so I'm definitely interested to see kind of this next step. I don't want to talk all the points. So obviously throw it to you what you think. No, they, they, you know, they, those receivers needed somebody to give them the ball. Yeah. Georgia has eight blue chip receivers in the roster. Eight. That's not including Darnell Washington, who's a five star tight end, who's six seven and like, like, you know, LeBron James size at tight end. Right. Um, or Brock Bowers, who's a very highly rated four star, and he's coming in as a true freshman. So they're going to have some options at tight end. 
at receiver. They get all they got six running backs that are blue chips that are all there. So this is a roster that ranked number one in 24-7's team talent composite this year. And it was largely because of their freshman class, right? Offensive line is going to return three of the five, but again, the backups are five stars. Offensive line's not been a position that Georgia's had to worry about. The defense has ranked number one in SP plus the last two seasons. Even if they took a step back, you're talking the top five defense. But this offense that we saw when JT Daniels came in averaged over eight yards of play. I mean, immediate impact quarterback. This is all Georgia was missing. And now you get a full offseason with Todd Munkin and the new offensive system. And that's, that's one thing I didn't feel like got mentioned enough about Georgia this year is you installed a completely new offense with no spring and summer ball to install it. No it's all Zoom meetings and, yeah, and, <laughs> and no quarterback to throw the football. So, yeah, JT Daniels being there as a returning starter, we've seen his ability at quarterback. We've seen the ability of the receivers as they get healthy. The entire running back room is returning. Not one person leaving from Georgia's running back room, which is amazing. And, you know, the defense is going to return everybody except for three three corners. So you're losing Tyreek Stevenson to Miami. You're losing Eric Stokes and um, Tyson Campbell to the draft. And so they've got some stuff to replace at corner. But, hey, this defense is reloaded year after year under Kirby Smart. He's a defensive backs coach. Safety is a position that's really important to Georgia's defense, and they're returning both starting safeties. So, Well, save for, for LeCount. LeCount was the starter, got right. injured halfway through the year. He was an All-American level safety, and, you know, Chris Smith took his spot, is very much a manageable. Anyways, uh, I they returned the starters, and they, they had a couple of other guys, but the ma- biggest thing for me defensively, bringing back Jordan Davis, yeah. um, that nose tackle really makes – makes the whole thing go. Um, and then just one final point on the quarterbacks, they're bringing in a five-star Brock Vandergriff and we hadn't even mentioned him yet. It's because obviously what JT has meant to Georgia, but the fact that if something happens and there was an injury, they've got a five-star backup and Stetson Bennett is probably going to be back next year to be a backup. And he's had experience this year playing in big games that, I think it's going to be uh, important to have in that room going forward. So definitely high on Georgia this year. Uh, this is the year to be high on them because of what they have returning. We're excited for 2021. We're really excited for 2021. And what we hear every week on the extra point, we've got, we've actually got a special guest next week. So excited for our special guest. I'm not going to say who it is just in case they can't do it, but um, we're excited to have a special guest on next week. We're going to talk about the college football playoff. Does it need to expand? Do we keep it at four teams? You know, if we keep it at four teams, do we change the system? If we move it to eight, what would it look like? We're going to talk about all options. Um, but we'll talk about the college football playoff with hopefully a special guest. But that will do it for this edition of The Extra Point. He is Daniel. I'm Jacob. See you.